0: I am joined by none other than Susan Bratton. And if you don't know Susan Bratton, I promise you she will be absolutely unforgettable. Susan's entire conversation today is about how we reclaim our relationship with sex, with our partner, with our own sexuality. This episode is for people who want to fight for their sexuality. Katrina Boss is an author and all-round wise woman. And our intention for today was to talk about her book, What If You Could Skip the Cancer? I think we spoke about that specifically for maybe a minute and what we really delved into on this particular podcast was the journey of the radiant woman katrina is a mathematician by background and she currently is in guadeloupe having sold all of her life possessions as she travels around the world in search of the experience that happens when you surrender to the universe (music) This is Impact, the podcast where we explore entrepreneurship, mindset, and health to provide you with the ingredients for an unregrettable version of your life story. Are you okay with spending hours researching treatment plans and never achieving your business and impact goals? If you had effective and proven strategies for supporting you in practice that gave you back time and more clinical confidence, how would that make you feel? The Confident Clinician Club was created for clinicians like you, clinicians who wanted a trusted database of the most up-to-date knowledge, patient resources, and protocols that can be immediately implemented into patient care. The Confident Clinician saves you time while ensuring your patients get the best that integrative medicine has to offer. Our membership of over 550 integrative clinicians have access to our sophisticated portal with a growing database of webinars, templates, protocols, letters, and more. Live training, advanced training programs, and fellowship opportunities make this the most impactful clinical investment you can make in your career right now. With a 94% membership renewal rate, the Confident Clinician is paving the way for clinicians like you to focus on what really matters, your business. The doors are open January 17th through 31st. You can learn more at confidentclinicianclub.com. Susan Bratton, welcome to the Anthropology Podcast.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love your show, so it's a particular pleasure for me to be with you, Megan.
0: Oh, well, that is just so kind of you to say. And we have got, well, I was going to say, we've got a doozy for everybody today. I am (laughs) really, really looking forward to this conversation. And we had this little chat beforehand where we're like, What is the essence of all of this? Like, what do we, what do we want for women in business right now? What do we want Mm -hmm. for women in success? What do we want for women in general? Um, and you've got so many compelling ideas around this. I'm trying not to give too much of it away. Susan, before we go really deep on some amazing conversations, Mm -hmm. can you share with everybody your story? How did you get to where you are at in your career? Why are you so passionate about about the things that you do in this world? And why do you call yourself an orgasmonaut?
1: (laughs) Well, I'll start with the last question first. I, I jokingly call myself an orgasmonaut because I go to the farthest reaches of orgasmic pleasure space. And I figure out how to have all kinds of orgasmic pleasure. And then I bring back the map to that territory so that people can easily also have that pleasure. And my goal with our conversation today is to help your listeners activate more pleasure in their life, more sexual pleasure in their life. And we need sexual pleasure to reboot our nervous system's from the stressors of daily life. We need the neurotransmitters and the hormones to flow through our body. We need to calm our anxiety and quell our depression with our sexuality. We need to connect our heart. We need to connect our eyes. We need to connect our breath with our partner. And even if you don't have a partner, everything that I want to talk about you can apply to a solo pleasuring practice as well. And I think a solo pleasuring practice is a really, really important and fundamental part of our sexuality as women. And I also believe that our sexuality is our life force. It's our vitality. It's what keeps us wanting lusting for life, going forward with desire to create. And that fuels our business, our financial success, our joie de vivre for being out in the world creating. Our our passion is our passion for life. Our our passion is our creativity. The more orgasm powered we are, the more we accomplish great things. And it is so easy for us as women to hit a fork in the road or come up against an obstacle that makes our sex life difficult and not know what to do to work around it, to compromise or to fix it. And so what I found is that in some ways, being this intimacy expert to millions, I run two companies, I run a publishing company, and I run a supplement company with my husband of 30 years this year. We've been in business 15 years together this year. And I'm 60 years old. So there's some interesting 15, 30, 60 numbers lining up here. These are big digits I'm working with. And I have never had better sex. I'm, I feel that I am working at a level of intelligence and vitality that is certainly not as much energy as I had in my 40s, but definitely as more pleasure, more joy, more connection to self and more connection to other. And that's directly attributed to what happened to me, which happens to so many, which was a little over a decade into my marriage, I really didn't want to have sex with Tim anymore. I, I gave him mercy sex, and I kind of tried to avoid him. And he tried to cope by having an affair with a married woman who was in a similar situation. And one night, I just drank two gin martinis on our 11th wedding anniversary and said, what are we going to do? This is no good. I didn't know at the time he was having an affair just to cope with being in a sexless marriage with me. And I didn't want to be in a sexless marriage. Sex just wasn't good for me. And what I've come to realize 20 years later is that we've been having sex, what I call the patriarchal way, rather than the matriarchal way. And so, what I've been doing, and what's really on my mind, Megan, is giving women some ideas for how to have very satisfying sexual pleasure with their partners or themselves and themselves. So that they don't think they're wrong, they can't orgasm, orgasms are hard, they're broken, sex just isn't that great for them, they don't really like being with their partner, you know, all of the things that end up to be those roadblocks and obstacles. I don't feel well, my hormones are shot, I have a low libido, whatever it might be. I have answers to all those things. And I learned them by going, walking through the fire of my own burning down the house almost lost my marriage because we didn't know what we were doing. Trina Boss,
0: welcome back to the Anthropology Podcast.
2: Thanks, Megan. So glad to be here.
0: I'm excited to jump in. You have a lot going on. And uh, and we were just discussing before we got into the podcast that we are literally going to surrender to where the universe takes us with respect to this conversation Um, And I think those are actually sometimes our best podcasts. But you haven't been here since episode 20, which means we're We're 96 episodes since you were last hanging out with us on the podcast. Can you bring our listeners up to speed in terms of who (laughs) you are and your journey in an hour or less? Um, And really, we're going to get into a few big topics today and a few things that you're super excited about. So maybe take us the rapid fire journey of Katrina
2: Boss up until (laughs) today. Go. (laughs) Go. (laughs) Since I met you 96 episodes ago. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Got it. Probably the easiest thing is um, I've written two books. What if you could skip the cancer and tantric intimacy? And I teach tantra. I'm traveling right now and I mostly teach online courses which I really love because it helps people really integrate the work into their day-to-day life, which is actually what Tantra is all about. I've been really passionate about working with women and the masculine-feminine dynamic and union, as opposed to separation. This is really rapid fire. I feel like I'm like reading headlines or something. It's all good. And so that's actually been a huge passion of mine. And currently, my life has taken a very, very different turn back in November. I decided to give everything away, my home, my furniture, my everything, and basically downsize to a backpack and see where I was called. I'm I'm almost 50, and I'm at a point in my life where my children are grown. Um, I divorced five years ago, and I really fit, felt like there was something new to discover. It's like I, I could keep on doing everything I've always done and teaching and writing and doing workshops and all these things. But I just felt like there was something else I was supposed to be doing. And finally, after a bunch of up and ups and downs, I finally gave everything away. And so since then, I traveled in Eastern Canada. I went to Ireland, spent Christmas with my daughter who was living there. Scotland, Malta, Portugal, Italy. Ireland again, um, then back over to the States in Phoenix, Sedona, Bahamas, Florida. And now I'm in Guadalupe down in the Caribbean and writing and teaching and doing doing everything here. And so, and really, I think the greatest thing, and it has a lot to do with my book, What If You Could Skip the Cancer, is being in this constant state of surrender, like literally listening all the time, what is the next step? And then trusting that the next step even if it hurts or even if it's not working out like the storybook says it should, because it sounds very romantic to travel the world out of in a backpack and, and do all this, but it doesn't always work out. I mean, I, I went to Las Vegas once and I only lasted 18 hours, which must be what I, why I forgot to mention that. And, and at the same time, there was really important lessons I learned in those 18 hours. Cause I got squished really fast. And so it's a really interesting thing to surrender to that journey, to know that the steps will appear. And when you're there, even if it's really difficult, amazing things will come out of it. You know, like even right now in Guadeloupe, I've had a really difficult time because I don't know the language. And I mean, it's French, but it's sort of a, a Guadeloupe in French mixed with a local Creole My daughter who went on exchange to Finland years ago, she's been like, it's such a huge help for me because I'd call her every so often. I'd be like, Taylor, I think I'm going crazy. And she goes, it's okay, mom, all exchange students do this. (laughs) That's awesome. I'm like, oh, good. I'm glad I'm just going through what every 17 year old exchange student goes through. Perfect. (laughs) And so, but at the same time during that squish, like it's fascinating to be here having raised families and literally families and businesses and done all these things. And still, when you get squished, there's something new to learn about yourself. And there's something you actually do expand in that struggle.
0: So sad to me when I watch these, uh, I was gonna say these women, I can be that woman too, because I've got three kids and I'm busy, where we're just like, I'm going to delay my, my pleasure of any sort until my kids are in school and I can sleep through the night.
1: I don't want to include them. And here's why. Okay. Right? You win. Because how much emotional labor do I have to do for you to take good care of yourself? Mm. Less... Than you deserve. (laughs) Okay, and here's why. What I have realized is that out of a hundred people, there are fifteen people in a in a crowd of a a room of a hundred. And when I think about a room of a hundred, I'm like, oh, I don't want to get COVID. (laughs) I don't even like to think about a room of people anymore. It's like, oh, geez. But if you had a room full of a hundred people, there's only fifteen in there that are going to fight for their sex life. So the people who tuned into this episode of anthropology are the people who want to fight for their sex life. So do I need to convince you to take care of your sexuality? No, because I'm not going to be able to. If you have forfeited it, that is your choice. I want to help all the people who want my help. That's who I want to help. Isn't that something? (laughs) Tough love, baby. Tough love. Yeah, but no, but
0: I do love that because what you're doing is you're forcing people to choose like, am I in or am I out? Because you can actually have a great sex life and still be tired. Right, and you can have a yeah. great sex life and still have kids at home and you can have a great sex life and your kids aren't in school full time. You just have to choose to fight for it, okay, you if win that one, thank you, baby
1: if uh-huh. you were if you're tired too tired to have sex, it's not that you're too tired. It's literally not that you have children. It's literally not that you have a career and you're doing a million things. You could do even more. If you don't want sex, it's because the sex is bad. so if you want sex but you don't want the sex you're getting, here I am. I'm all yours. All I can right. help you fix it. This is what I was talking about when I mentioned that matriarchal versus patriarchal view. Yes, you. If you ha- are having, if you're having sex that you don't really, really love, if you're not making date, if you have a partner, if you are lucky enough to have a partner, and you are not actively making dates. Look, I'm going to hold up. I'm, so one of the things that I, I talked to Megan about before we started this podcast was we got some video on this show because I want to show a few things, and the, this is what I'm holding up, which is a little calendar, like a monthly sticker calendar, and it shows all the dates that I have scheduled with my husband. We plan them out in advance. And a lot of people think to themselves, well, that takes away the spontaneity. By the time you are in a relationship for more than a few months, you really need to schedule lovemaking. And the thing is that most of the people who feel like they're just too exhausted for sex, are just having sex that is not satisfying and it's boring. And so, one of the things that I like to do is I like to explain why scheduling what I like to call erotic play dates instead of sex has you looking forward to it and doing what I think is a really critical component to the monotony of monogamy. Which is learning new things together, learning new skills together. Remember when I said there are twenty kinds of orgasms that a person can have? There's twenty kinds of orgasms a male and a female-bodied person can have. We have slightly different parts: the penis, prostate versus the the um, clitoral urethral sponge, if you will, which is people call the G spot. It's not a spot; it's a giant area. Um, That makes slightly different places that you touch. But there's in orgasm, there's locations there's techniques and there are objects that generate orgasmic pleasure and when you add them all up there's 20 different kinds of orgasm I'm actually doing a weekly orgasm challenge I call it come with me and every week I, so I share in my email newsletter I share two, for free I share two different types of orgasms one for you, your female body and one for your male body partner or one you can do together and um, each week I take you through the different types of orgasms so you can see how easy it is to have them all so if you literally just spent a year, scheduling dates to learn new pleasuring techniques, it would give you something to look forward to and it would ignite your sex life. The thing
0: that I'm finding so fascinating about this is that I think sometimes we hear people say, oh, you know what? I sold all my stuff and I have a backpack and I'm touring the world and I'm surrendering to the universe. And I think for a lot of people, the immediate reaction is, oh, good for you. I'm not like that. I'm like, (laughs) I'm a structured person and I, I, I would never do that. And And I'm going to completely generalize here, but I have not yet met someone who studied math. I went to Waterloo. I hung on that math building who (laughs) who didn't in their like foundation where they started have some element and love of structure and patterns and systems. And so and you might be like, I never resonated with that. But I just think it's super fascinating that 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 is that was also part of your your journey. And for all the people out there who are saying, oh, I'm not like that, I would never do that. I think you'd probably be surprised.
2: Well, so there's two places I want to go. And one, one place is about the math thing. And the other thing is why actually that was so important in the What If You Could Skip the Cancer book. Mm. Because, so the first thing is, the thing about the masculine and feminine that I'm so passionate about is that we often think that it's one or the other, right? And the reality is, is that when we become a whole person The masculine and the feminine, the left brain, right brain, the structure, the chaos, it actually complements each other. Like it literally feeds each other. So people who like give everything away and live out of a backpack and blah, 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 that's a living hell if you have no structure. Meaning in day-to-day life, if you don't have income, if you don't have some place to stay, if you aren't a logical, reasonable, responsible person, no one's going to let you stay with them. You're not going to have any money to stay anywhere. So the only way you can even be free like this is if you're responsible enough to actually pay the bills, right? It goes together. You can't just be accountant, logical, mathematics, and you can't just be free artist person. Because if you're just free artist, you know, blah, 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 you can't afford canvas and you don't have anywhere to paint. You know, it's all about the merging of the masculine and feminine, the merging of the right and left brain, that's where magic happens. Right? I mean, if I didn't have the structure, so for example, I teach online courses. I mean, I work. I'm not just, you know, living on a beach, you know, eating papaya. I work every day. I just it's amazing in, right now. I, right? I just happen to be in Guadalupe, right? I mean, this is just, this just happens to be where I am but i still work because that's what i'm I, it's it's what i'm here for i'm here to teach i'm here to share i'm here to uh, i'm here to do what i'm doing but it's within that structure that i can be free and i can be creative and i can do all those things and the interesting thing about mathematics is just on that do you know that einstein had the most heavily myelinated brain in the world so like um, when your brain grows you know you know this i don't i don't need to say it for you but that the you know, the gray matter becomes white matter because a myelin sheath goes over as the brain actually continues to grow. Well, Einstein's right and left brain and the corpus callosum between it was so heavily myelinated because his right and left brain were practically one. Wow. Within the incredible structure of his mathematical perception of the universe, he also sat and pondered the mystery of the world. And he also expanded beyond what was known at the time. And it was and it all married together into some of the greatest theories we've ever understood. And he was one of the greatest geniuses that we've you know, it's literally that's the the colloquialism, right? He's freaking Einstein, you know. And it was only the marriage of those two things that made him a genius. Segwaying into my book, What If You Could Skip the Cancer? So, this is a story that happened back in 1999 when I was 29. And again, at this point, I really trusted my brain. I liked that logical part of me and society, especially for me, like, I mean, I I was a child of the 70s and 80s where they were really pushing women into science you know and so I did get a a scholarship to study math at Waterloo because that was a really really important thing especially for a woman and so by that time I had really been almost trained that my brain was my greatest asset you know this this thing on my between my ears was going to take me far and wide and holy crap right so then all of a sudden so of course within that structure you actually think you know the answers to everything. You know what, how to have a perfect life, how to be a perfect wife, perfect mother, perfect business person, perfect everything. Because you've solved the equation. You know the answer and we can hedge our bets to, about life and everything else, right? So then all of a sudden, 1999 comes along. And at this point, my children are two and four I've had foster kids. My mom died four years before that of breast cancer. Everyone in my, all the women in my family had died of breast cancer by then. And I was 29 years old and I had breast lumps growing in my breast. I had no idea what to do because, you know, I'd watched my mom go through everything and the chemotherapy and the radiation and everything. And I already knew that that wasn't my, my path. And of course, as this, and this is the story of the book. A man appeared in my life, a guru, a teacher. He doesn't call himself that, but I do. He came into my life and he helped me understand what was really killing the women in my family and why every single woman in my family was gone to breast cancer. And one of the number one things that I had to do was I had to turn off my brain. I actually had to learn that my brain wasn't my greatest asset. And it definitely couldn't make important life decisions. And that was literally, I remember him the first time he said it, I looked at him and I thought, that's like asking a marathon runner to cut off their legs. If I cut off my brain, I'll have nothing left. I, fig- I thought I was ugly and, and blah, 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 all this nonsense. And it was like, if I don't have my brain, I won't be worth anything. And that was my greatest journey. And it was actually a very spiritual journey because it wasn't just about shutting off my brain. It was about actually transferring my trust to something else, or consciousness or God, whatever we call it, that there was actually a great wisdom and that I could only access it through me, through my heart, through listening to my actual truth. And this is something that today, like in my, I have a course right now called The Radiant Woman, which I just, I love so much. Because a lot of it is about teaching us as women to really listen again, listen to that inner truth inside, because if we don't listen to it, nobody will, right? Nobody's going to listen to us. The men certainly aren't going to connect with their wisdom and their, their feminine and their, their deep well. And for me, what if you could skip the cancer like 20 years ago, that was really the beginning of me learning to trust something else. And using my brain to do the math, using my brain to do the websites and do the business plans and do all that, but to listen to something else, to actually figure out what direction the ship was going. And that for me is a perpetual journey. Like that's literally the journey I'm on right now is trusting that if I listen within, the next step will appear and it does every single time. Yeah, and so the mathematics and the fascinating thing, here's the thing about the mathematics that people don't understand is mathematics isn't arithmetic. It's not accounting. Mathematics is actually a philosophy. The great mathematicians historically were philosophers because they were looking out at the world and looking for patterns and they were literally trying to map God with numbers, right? And so what it does actually being a mathematician is it gives me greater faith That the world is much more interesting than we think it is. It's not just chaos, which allows us to take our foot off the pedal and relax a little.
1: Well, one good thing is we won't have time to get into all 20 orgasms here, but I have a website at betterlover.com and I'm about to drop videos on the 20 kinds of male and the 20 kinds of female orgasms so probably about the same time that our episode drops the videos will be up and ready so i can walk you through it there and you can always come to the to my website at personal life media and just look up come with me and see all the 20 kinds of orgasms and how to do them there that's all free freely accessible so What I think is an even more important conversation, Megan, is to get to that thing about how women need to have sex versus how men do, and how we've kind of been having sex Mm -hmm. the way men need to, and that's only because we just didn't know. Almost everything about sex is I didn't know what I didn't know. And now I know and I'm doing it. and It's fun. (laughs) I I really have the easiest job. I love this. I really do
0: want to talk about this idea of the matriarchy versus the patriarchy. but Because so much of the sexual education that's downloaded, I feel like is downloaded from that that male centric side.
1: So, yeah, let's start to unpack that. And also downloaded from pornography and also yes. downloaded yep. from the media, movies and television. The the kind of sex that is depicted in the movies and television is the crappiest sex I've ever seen. My husband is so funny. Every time a sex scene comes on the movie, I'm like, ah, oh, I can't. But look, she still has her brow. And I'm like, oh, my God, he threw her down. He didn't even make out with her. I'm like, I. I bitch about it the entire time <laughs> about how bad it is. And I refuse to watch pornography. I'm a sexpert who does not recommend. I'm a, I am anti-pornography because I'll give you a perfect example. Time magazine had, they recently quoted a study where uh, two sexual science academic researchers did a random sampling of over 300 pornography clips and said that 96% of them were degrading to women. And the problem with that is, yes, I mean, maybe there's some nice pornography made by women for women, but it's still pornography, which ends up ultimately not putting us feminine in the the seat of the pleasure. Uh, We're we're objects giving pleasure, not receiving. So, one of the biggest things so here's a couple of quick like bam 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 i'm just gonna Mm -hmm. punch it out give you some things to think about like oh yeah right oh yeah 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 so here they are first thing we have been rushing sex as women we have sex way too fast. And by sex, I mean intercourse, because the large majority of us are in heterosexual monogamous relationships. Now, that being said, I am an equal opportunity gender, gender spectrum lover and supporter. So, whatever your gender spectrum is, and however it moves and morphs throughout your life is all good. You go for it. I want you to have your self-expression, but you were either born XX or XY chromosome. Let's get to the science, right? And the science is you either were born with a vulva or a penis, and they operate differently. Even though they're the same parts arranged in different order, right? they operate a little bit differently, whereby... Men have a couple of things that are what I consider to be to their benefit. The number one thing is that they are testosterone dominant, where our female, bo- female body are estrogen dominant. Testosterone, they get, a, they get a hormone bath every morning. They wake up with an erection if they're healthy. They're horny. They're ready to go. They masturbate. Daily, because they need to keep their sperm topped off, so that when we're ready and in estrus, as the animals that we are, we they're ready to give us fresh sperm. So they're much more driven to masturbate than we are, and they have in the hemodynamics of the penis are very simple. The blood runs into the three chambers super fast, and when it does, the um, suspensor ligament lifts up the penis very quickly, and he gets an a nearly instant erection if he's a a healthy man. And when he's erect, he's ready to go. He would be happy to penetrate us. Where for us, in our female bodies, we have three erectile systems that essentially wrap our vagina. We have the clitoral erectile system, which is a glands, the tip, which is what we think about our clitters, but it's just the tip of the iceberg, the, the shaft. So, I'm very big about explaining to women why getting a clitoral erection is important before doing you know before having a lot of sex of different kinds.
0: I know um, women everywhere are like a clitoral erection clitoral like erection. already you're blowing my mind Susan keep going.
1: Yes. Uh, and then we've got the little clitoral arms that drape down over the the opening to the vagina. We've got the vestibular bulbs, the clitoral legs that are underneath the pubic hair on each side of the vagina. Um, and this is interesting. I'm going to I'm going to hold this up um, we know what a vagina looks like. We know we've got the, the mons at the top, the outer labia, the inner labia, and then we have what's called the vestibule, the opening to the, the inner sanctum, and we've got the clitoral tip showing, the shaft runs up and is covered by the hood and goes inside the pubic bone. We've got halfway down between the opening to the vagina, which is called the introidal sphincter and the tip of the clitoris. Halfway, we've got where our urine and our ejaculate exits. So, we've got this location, which I call a G-spot number two because the spongy tissue that surrounds the urethra, the urethral sponge, is really the G-spot. And that sponge loves to be touched. And then we've got the opening to the vagina, which is a sphincter muscle, a round muscle like our iris. And Often it is penetrated too quickly. Our male body partners are just, you know, basically ramming their penises in us. And that's, that is the opposite of what we really need. What women need is much more slow. Delicate touch and penetration. And we don't need to be rammed like a piston, which is what you see on pornography. What we need is for, I, I tell men to think about their penis as a heart tongue. When you start to connect your heart to your penis, when you start to think about it as this articulate, loving, licking, touching appendage rather than just a piston. It totally changes lovemaking. So, when we pull away the skin from the top of the vulva and we look at underneath, we have the clitoral structure, we have the urethral structure, a secondary um, erectile tissue system, and we have a perineal sponge under the vagina, between the vagina and the rectum. That's our third erectile tissue. But the thing is that It's much more of a complex erectile situation of tissue than the three big chambers that shoot down a penis. So, when he gets turned, he's already more horny than we are generally because we run on a 28-day cycle. We're estrogen dominant rather than testosterone dominant. We have got a five-day horny window around ovulation. About five days after the beginning of your period, you begin to go into your horny window, if you will. You can feel desire all the time but you have ebb and flow of desire right and then you have this erectile tissue that never gets fully engorged because we have sex too fast so we if you think about what erectile tissue does it is um flaccid and small and then when it gets filled with blood it it expands giving it more surface area To feel more pleasure, to send more signals to the brain to feel pleasure. And what women struggle with is achieving orgasm. What men struggle with is not coming too fast. If everybody would just slow down, slow down some more, slow down some more. We all win. We all win. And letting the, I always say that a woman's genital system is more like an English muffin. An English muffin where you have to heat it up. And then you have to put the butter on it. And then the butter has to melt into all the nooks and crannies. Oh, it's making me so hungry for an English muffin. I gave up gluten a decade ago. If you ever want to read an amazing book, it's called From Aging to
2: Saging. And it's really a genius book about the eldering process. And what I love about his, this guy's concept is the problem in our society, again, is that we don't actually have a spiritual foundation of understanding the world. Problem is when we focus in the in the world and we think that the world is just simply about the physical world and it's just about, did I get the new car? Did I get the beautiful wife? Did I have the two and a half children? Did I have the, is that what I got? Then you actually end up living the same year over and over and over again,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? When there's no imagining of spiritual growth. In Africa and in India, there's an assumption that the point of life is not accumulating wealth. The point of life is personal growth of the soul. You may go through a time of paying bills and owning homes and doing all things. All of these things are wonderful, right? They're all part of being part of the village, but that they're never the point. They're just simply the vehicles for the spirit's growth, right? So then what happens is every single experience you have from the time you're 10 years old till the time you're 60 years old is an interesting experience. You don't, you look at it with a humility and an interest and you pray. And So then by the time you're 60, you actually are interesting. You actually do have wisdom. And the problem is in our society, if you get stuck in the rat race of just, it's all about the money, it's all about the work, it's all about the house, it's all about the this, By the time you're 60, you've actually lived the same year 60 times. And a lot of what's happened, what happens then is our elders, our older people aren't elders. They're just stuck in their ways because they didn't grow through their experiences. They just got stuck. And so then suddenly you can't, they can't be a mentor because a true mentor has actually mined the experience of, of their life. And if they've done that, the humility
1: in that person is off the charts. We women are different every day. Some days, and this is, a, I, I'm going to hold up my little, my little kitty cat in a lion I have this little kitty cat, and she's wearing um, a Halloween costume that is like a little lion hat on top. And I always say, sometimes we're a lioness, and some days we're a kitty cat. We're just a kitty cat with a lion costume on. And depending on the day of our cycle, or what's been going on with us from a stress perspective, we, we need a lot more full body touch. We need our feet massaged, our neck massaged. We need our hair stroked. We need our eyelids kissed. We need words of adoration. We need affirmation that we're sexy and desirable. We need so many things before we begin we need pre foreplay before we start foreplay. And then in foreplay, what I really recommend is a lot of manual vulva massage. So a yoni massage. I don't know if everybody knows the word yoni, but yoni, why? I don't think everybody does. It's a tantric lovemaking word for our female genital system, the yoni. And I always think about the yoni as being this beautiful flower that blossoms with attention and pleasure. And you you can remember times when you've had really hot sex and your vulva got plumped up with blood flow and pleasure and you had really good orgasms. That's what we're trying to go for every time we make love. If you are penetrated before you're engorged, before the blood has all been able to flow into the vulva, then you're rushing yourself and you're just making one more brick on that wall of not, of lowering your desire. And for so many women, they think it's hormones that, oh, I'm low on hormones. Well, if you want the hormone of desire, you want testosterone. So, I do bioidentical hormone replacement. I use uh, biased the two kinds of estrogen, estriol and estradiol, in a compounded shea butter intravaginally on a daily basis. But I also use a little testosterone in shea butter on my clitoral structure on a daily basis. And then I take progesterone at night. But it's really none of those three things particularly that are what Really give me lust. What really gives me lust is blood flow. We forget about the fact that our nitric oxide declines as we age. And by the time we're 50, we have half the nitric oxide we had when we were 20. So we're literally having vaginal lubrication issues, loss of sensation, incontinence, lack of pleasure because of blood flow, much more so than hormones. But the great thing is that if we're with a male bodied partner and He is able to um, ejaculate within within us. He gives us testosterone, serotonin, luteinizing hormone to regulate our menses, or even after menopause to regulate the cycles that we continue to have, whether we are ovulating or not, whether we're bleeding or not. Um, And it's very calming. So, and we get zinc for um, mental clarity. So. Even if you're in a same sex partnership, sex is an extremely healthy thing. But if you're in an opposite sex partnership, you get extra double bonus benefits from the symbiotic nature of two people in orgasmic pleasure together.
0: Women who come into my practice, and I'm not judging this, but I think it's symptomatic of the confusion. Women who come into my practice and they're like, listen, like, I take the birth control pill, not for birth control. I always ask why people are on the birth control pill because it's not what you would think. They're like, I just take it continuously because I don't, I don't want to menstruate. I don't want to lose. I want access to my competitive advantage in the workplace, which is not to succumb to, I'll say, hormonal innuendo and and changes throughout the course of the month. And I always tread so lightly on this idea because I'm like, ah, but but that's. That's your that's your power. Like one of the things we can work on together is is stabilizing some of the hormonal swings that shouldn't be there that are common but not normal so that you can fully lean into your power as a female leader and so it's it's really it's a it's a fascinating a conversation for me to have but it happens with sufficient frequency that i'm like no this is a thing there's confusion on the ground level as to how we are supposed to handle this uh stepping into a quality piece um and and i think that's driven by media i think that's driven by uh i think there's a lot of male leadership right now that takes it upon themselves to attack women coming into their own there's a lot of pressures On, uh, I'm going to say, authentic leaders, men or women, to to step up in a manner that's not that's not bridging two philosophies. Um, But I definitely see it on the on the ground level. I think we all need more conversations like this, so we can really start to uh, embrace embrace some clarity around the concept.
2: So the thing about the period is, historically, women have never been honored for their truth and their wisdom. So you're in a relationship let's say 200 years ago, and your husband can beat you, he can kill you, he can do anything he wants because we are nothing but chattel, right? So women learned a long, long time ago to shut up, pretend everything was okay, just keep the man happy no matter what, or else you and your children are out on the street and you're starving to death, right? So there's a deep training in women that says, do not be honest, coddle the man's ego, Make sure he thinks he's okay. Blah 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 blah. On a personal level, okay, this isn't a, this isn't what they're doing in business, but this is on a personal level. And this training still whispers in our ears, right? I'm a computer programmer. I've I've, I've worked in a man's field. You know, I get it, hundred percent. The difference is when we actually start to come into a time of of honoring our own wisdom, and we actually know that what I have to share is true true, in a personal setting that here is something that's wrong in this family. Here's something that has to change right now. This is the wisdom of the woman. And no matter what corporate America tries to tell us is important, it's all crap because bottom line, every single person wants happiness. And if you're not happy at home, if you're not happy in your relationships, if you're not happy with your children, your life sucks no matter how great your corporate job is. It's all nonsense. So the wisdom of the woman in the home, no matter what kind of relationship you have there, is absolutely the foundation of everyone's happiness. When a woman honors her cycle and she starts coming into the dark side before her period, this is a time of incredible insight. This is when we are in our most feminine dark moon personally, almost like we cannot lie, right? It's impossible to lie. The truth is right now, the, the tide is out. Everything we know that is true is now, uh, it's right there. And it's when we have to share it because that's the wisdom for the village so that the village survives. Our society is in such bad shape health, in uh, health, um, mentally, spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, everything, because the women have to start being honest. And we have to start being honest where it's the most dangerous at home, where we're the most vulnerable, we have the most to lose. And when we actually can be honest there, when we can stand in our truth, when we can be meditative and quiet, and listen to that truth, and share it with our partner and stand strong in it. Don't just let it blow over, that we say, no, this is going to change. This is going to change. This is going to change. And if it's not going to change, then something bigger is going to change, which is going to piss you off, right? And when we start doing that, we don't have hormonal swings anymore because we're being honored. You know, it's like we were actually designed to be the canary in the mine shaft. We were designed to actually go, hey, 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 this is not okay. We've got to change this. When we start changing, because what I observe in women, and not all women, obviously, but a lot of women who don't want to cycle so that they can be driven in the workforce, a deeper truth is they are terrified to lose the stability at home. They're terrified to actually be vulnerable in the home. The number of people I know who are absolute corporate, amazing women, blah, 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 their home life, they are terrified to stand up to their husband. They're, they're run ragged by their kids. They're trying to do everything right. All this stuff. And the reality is it comes back to their home. It comes back to their own happiness and every, all the incredible need to strive in the workforce. I can't even fathom it, to be honest. You know what I mean? It's like, I, why people aren't actually just doing things they love. I, I just don't get it. I, it's actually, maybe it's just my weird life that I live right now, but I just, I'm like, Why aren't you just, you know, the one thing that's really hit me lately is that I'm going to die. I I don't know whether it's turning 50 or what it is, but the, 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 the reality that I am going to be dead one day. And I don't know when it's going to be. I think it's in about 43 years personally, but regardless, I am actually going to be dead. And so the time is ticking and not in a negative way, in a really positive way, in a really positive way that says, Katrina redefine your own damn life just because the corporate world says here's what success looks like here's what hollywood says is beauty here's what everyone else says you're going to be dead and then you're not going to care why do you care now and it's really that um, that reality that it's sort of like when your kids are young and everyone says well you know better enjoy them now they'll be gone soon it's true they'll be gone soon my daughter lives in British Columbia. My son lives in Ontario. I'm in Guadeloupe and I'm blissfully happy for both of them. And, and, you know, that time is complete. But I, it's like the only thing we actually have of any value in our life is time, which is why I get extra, extremely pissed off if someone wastes it, right? It's actually more than money or anything else because it's like, hey, I've only got a few more years left. Don't waste my time. So the idea of busting your ass doing something simply to achieve something in a world that you're not even passionate about and literally skipping your own wisdom cycle in order to achieve it I can't even fathom it <laughs> I just can't even fathom it it just is beyond me i lo- you know
0: what's so cool about this is i know there's people sitting there and they're and they're they're driving or they're working out or they're doing whatever and they're having this moment where they're like oh shit because there's so much There's so much truth in that. I had my first like mortality moment five minutes after my first daughter was born where I had never I felt like it was like this weird threshold I crossed where I was like, oh, like you're you're never you're never in that phase again. Like it was it was very distinct for me. And I feel like I thought about my own mortality every day, not in a um, morbid sense, but with that same acknowledgement of the fact that my time is my my most precious uh, my most precious asset, and I can figure out how to make more money. I think we kind of get confused on those two assets, but time <laughs> don't like don't right? don't steal that, don't steal it from me, don't steal it so that you're preventing me from hanging out with my kids and giving them time like don't don't steal time from me and and my intention around things that I put out into this world now are really about how can I maximize. And, and leverage my time so that I can share my gifts most efficiently so I can be with the people that I love. My primary motivation is not uh, is not money. It's time leveraging. What role do toys play in all of this? Does it take yeah. away from it? Is there a time and place in our evolution as lovers that we should
1: introduce this or take this out? Add it in. <clears throat> the, in. the number one reason, most most women nowadays have a vibrator. They usually only have one. It's some crappy old thing they bought that they got used to and they have created some neural pathway and it works for them, which is great. But then I say, okay, now open your bedroom drawer and tell me what's in there. Okay, close that. Now go to your closet and open that and tell me how many shoes you have close that. Right. So, um, which one is going to provide you with more pleasure? The next pair of Louboutins or whatever is going to crush your feet, or another vibrator. <laughs> and there are different vibrator categories. Um, there are uh, sex toy categories. And I think there's a couple of really, really good ones. Um, the first one that I recommend is kind of ground zero for women is something from Fun Factory called the Lady Buy or the Miss Buy. The Lady Buy is a little bit bigger and the misbi is a little bit smaller we women have different different size vaginal vestibules and different size yonis vulvas so you have to know which one you want but what i like about these is that they're they're both in, they have two motors by means two in german and it's a germ it's like the porsche of, of uh, <laughs> vibrators um it has an external clitoral stimulation and an internal g-spot and anterior fornix and cervical early smoke so it, it brings blood flow internally and externally and i think that having a soloing pleasure practice where you're masturbating a couple of times a week to keep the blood flowing into your vulva means that whenever you do ultimately have intercourse or oral or what have you with a partner you're much more primed and ready to go. It's getting your yoni, juicy and full of blood flow, which is, is very important. But then I also think it's very good to have something like a womanizer, um, which is um, uh, uses air to kind of suck and blow the clitoral structure. But I love this new product called the Duo from Womanizer. You have to have about two inches between your G-spot inside the opening to your vagina and your clitoris. So you kind of have to measure. Don't buy this if you're very tiny Or very large. This is more of one that fits kind of the middle of the range of most women, where it has a G spot vibrator that goes inside. At the same time, it's giving you clitoral suckling externally. This will make your eyes roll back in your head. This is the kind of thing you want to use yourself because it's hard for your partner to get it to latch on well, but this is very good for solo pleasuring, where for Pleasuring of partner sex. I like this product. This is called the Curve from Hot Octopus. And this is a G Spot toy that's a vibrator that has a real squishy tip. It also looks like a purple emoji. It looks like the penis eggplant emoji. It's
0: it um, has a beautiful
1: color. It's yeah. so pretty. And it, this one I like because it has um, a bass and treble. It has two motors, kind of a high, buzzy one and a deep, rumbly one. And it's really good for G-spot awakening right inside the opening to the vagina. This one is really nice when your partner uses it on you. When you can completely relax and your partner has a tool so their fingers and arm don't get worn out and you can get the fairly deep pressure and stimulation that you're going to build up to wanting for g-spot orgasms and for female ejaculation so i like this and then for couples i like two different what i would call penis rings vibrating penis rings this one is also from hot octopus it's called the atom pulse lux and you stretch it and open it and you put the your partner's testicles and penis through the hole and then it has a vibrator on the base which gives him perineal pleasure and it has a vibrator at the top where when you are having intercourse and your cowgirl style on top of him you can come down on this and grind on this and have him fully and deeply inside you giving you cervical pleasure and deep spot pleasure while you're getting vibration on your clitoris. And it comes with a remote control, which honestly, they need to put a light on it because it's hard to see in the dark. It's, it's impossible <laughs> to see it by candle light. It's like, where is that thing? It's around here somewhere. Pro but tip. Um, <laughs> exactly. I love that. But this is nice. And then this little ring, this little penis ring, is from Fun Factory. It's called the Nose N-O-S. And this one. It's really nice. It's, um, goes around just the base of his penis. It doesn't have to include his testicles in this one. And then these little ears wrap around the shaft of your erect clitoris when you've gotten a lot, a nice yoni massage. And now you're making love. You put this on and this stimulates your clitoris while your making love to your partner and i am really big on cowgirl sex position because number one it's really good for you to learn how to take control of your own stimulation with a penis and i remember when i first started doing it i first started really working on my cowgirl probably six years ago and i could not make myself have an orgasm by being in charge of the intercourse and this, this whole thing started because I couldn't have an orgasm from intercourse. I mean, 20 years ago, we went on this journey. And you're help. determined. I'm so determined. I was like, I'm 42 and I'm having sex and I'm not having orgasm. I'm having intercourse and I'm not having orgasm. And I don't want to have sex with my husband. This is bullshit. <laughs> excuse my excuse me for cursing yeah <laughs> but um it really was <laughs> so that's when we started take, taking sex workshops and learning how easy it is to learn how to have great sex and how you can cross the gasm chasm and start having orgasms from intercourse it's just a learned skill all women can do it all women can have all these things all men can have all these things if you just know how to do it and you can have it all so easy. you can but i was my cowgirl game was not strong So, I decided I wanted to work on it. And now, I mean, it is fantastic for your hamstrings, your quads, your butt. It's really good for just your overall strength and flexibility. It's really nice because when you're on top, your partner can give you breast pleasuring and look you in the eyes and you can kiss. And then when you really learn how to get yourself off on your partner, and they just get to lay there and watch you get yourself off. It's a real gift for them. They love it. They love to see you using their tool for your pleasure. And that's why I really like these particular sex toys for couples, because you get that extra vibe going on your clitoris. You're getting the internal pleasure of a penis in your vagina, and you're getting the external vibe simultaneously. And we use tools for everything. You're wearing glasses. That's a tool. We use toothbrushes. We use Arts and Instapods and a million things. Why would we not add toys to our sex life? It's not an admission of failure. The only admission of failure is failing not to t- not to leverage tools of pleasure that are so excellent and available. And the more you use them, the more fun you have. And sometimes for me, when I've had a yoni massage, I've had an expanded orgasm date, and then we've maybe done some oral pleasuring, and then we've done some lovemaking intercourse. And if my husband ejaculates, sometimes I still want more orgasms. And I'll just... Get out a toy and have lean back against him and have him pleasure my breasts while I use a vibrator on myself. At the end, he'll have done. He'll have used G spot wands on me and G spot toys on me. We have a little towel with my current favorite toys always available so to good. us.
0: I want to know a little bit more about your your online course the radiant woman did I get that right probably not yeah okay yeah. I got it right yeah, like just, I want I want it, I want to know because I'm like I want more of that stuff can you just share with us the essence of what that what it's all about
2: yeah so the the foundation of it is redefining the masculine and feminine for union because the masculine and feminine in the world right now if you imagine that we've always interacted in separation so then the masculine we always interact positive negative masculine feminine we're in a duality here this is a a bigger conversation but we're in a dual world where we interact with each other like i'm talking to you you're listening you know this is how we interact so we always do this but when we're in separation the masculine overpowers the feminine or the masculine you know gives what the feminine doesn't want or whatever kind of thing when we actually come into a time of union, which is what I believe we all deeply desire, we desire it with our children, we desire it with our friends, we desire it with our, our partner, intimacy, sexually. In union, the masculine and feminine are very, very different and they completely play with each other. They're not just, he takes out the laundry and she you know cooks or something. The energies are completely different. And so, for example, the whole course goes into really... First of all, redefining the masculine and feminine, because it's not always gendered. But in relationships, and in, in, in same-sex and heterosexual, but I focus heterosexually just for ease. Um, for example, int- in intimacy, giving and receiving. For women to actually receive is such a huge deal. Because we have so many walls up, because we have been given things we didn't want for our whole life it's not that we struggle to receive we just haven't received anything we wanted and we have all this i mean it's a huge huge topic just simply learning to receive because when we learn to receive our beings like sexually relax into a place where our nervous systems actually can become multi-orgasmic and what's fascinating about men learning to give is some men are like well how about me when men actually learn to give and they actually are received completely, they become the powerful, amazing men that they really want to be. So, that there's that dynamic of giving and receiving. The res- the, the dynamic of vulnerability and protector. And, and that's a really interesting thing because, again, women have really struggled to become vulnerable. And we can do it with friends. We can do it all, with all kinds of things. But even then, we can't because we've become so incredibly disconnected masculine we just try to fix everybody's problems we don't actually just hold space for someone to be complete chaos and crazy right and so for us to actually learn to delve into our deep vulnerability we actually strengthen our own protector and we actually become strong and deep and interesting Being able to go into all of these different dynamics, and and that's really what the course is about, is looking at all the ways the masculine and feminine are actually in total union. And when we come into total union, we come into oneness, which is bliss, which is happiness. And it is beyond anything we can really experience, right? The lovemaking changes completely and there's no tricks about it. It just actually allows us to come into full union. And when a woman fully polarizes into that feminine, that deep wisdom, that deep um, receptive mother earth, whatever, however you want to see it, everything changes. I'm telling you, at a very deep level, we become so happy and so content and so blissful. We have no needs. We have no nothing. We are completely whole. And when we are that, when the, and the reason that the radiant Impact woman is what such so important to me leave the room is because the reality in is in the masculine-feminine dynamic, the masculine energy acts on the feminine. Everything it reads about the feminine. Show so the giver court can only you know you enjoy what this to give by reading the on feminine Podcasts, and that Stitcher, could be or, or we're simply you are like looking at a child episode. and the child is the feminist because they're Megan the vulnerable and you look at them you say what would you like impact. to eat and you give them what they want to eat and then the child looks at you and says oh my god mommy i love you so much as opposed to the child saying what i really want is this and you say you know what you're gonna get you're gonna get lentil because that's what's good for you maybe the child ate but there's no union there <laughs> you know the child, like You know, and and that's really where it goes. But the challenge is if the women are messed up, right? If we are literally walking chaos and not in a good way, because chaos is really awesome in a good way, but if we're just really completely messed up, the men cannot read us. The masculine energy cannot read us. So the bottom line is we have to become whole first. And when the women become whole, everything changes. Amazing.
0: Susan Bratton, it has been such a pleasure to have this conversation. Where can we direct people to learn? Like, I was going to say more about what you're up to in the world, but like, All the things you just
1: talked about, where are we sending them to learn those? If you go to personallifemedia.com, there's search boxes at the top of the website and you can search on anything that I've mentioned and it'll find the articles and the videos and things like that. Same with betterlover.com. It's searchable content. And I've written thousands of articles in the last 15 years on every aspect of sexuality. So whatever I've mentioned, it's all there for you.
0: Amazing. We will hook everyone up. Susan, thank you so much for your time. Words of wisdom, Katrina Boss, Um, I could have this conversation for days. I know we've piqued the interest of some of the people hanging out as our listeners. Where can we send them
2: to learn more about what you're up to? My main website is katrinaboss.ca and my other website that hosts all of my online courses is fusiontantra.com.
0: We'll we'll hook everybody up. It will all be in. Uh, it will all be in the show notes. I know you have rattled the radiant feminine inside of me and I can't wait for our next conversation. <laughs> Katrina, get home safely from Guadalupe. And um, I can't wait to do this again soon.